Yeah. Yeah. Pro Fan Sports Podcast. Let's get it. Pro Fan. Tune into the program. Every single week, get the dope, fam. Sean on the mic, very flat, too. Keep you updated, that's what we do. Pro Fan. Tune into the program. Pro Fan. Tune into the program. Pro Fan. Tune into the program. Every single week, get the dope, fam. Welcome everybody uh, to episode 69 to the Pofin Sports Podcast. We have with us a special guest, um, Jay King. Um, he is a reporter for the Athletic for the Boston Celtics. He's also the co-host of the Anything is Portable podcast. Um, welcome to the podcast, Jay. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, no problem. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on and being here with us today. We're excited and looking forward to this episode and, uh, you know, and, and to have you on to talk some, some hoops and, you know, some Celtics. So, yeah. Yeah, let, let, let's uh, get to it and, you know, and, and have a good go today. Awesome, awesome. So as, a, as everybody can see, we um, we only it's only Barry and I right now. Um, John should be joining us later. Um, but we'll go ahead and get started and have a quick conversation with Jay about the Celtics and how he feels about the state of the Celtics. Um, to get started, Jay, I just wanted to ask you a very general question. I mean, what's, what's the state of the Celtics now with a new coach, a new GM? What's your, what do you what do you think about the state of the Celtics? Yeah, I mean, obviously a lot has changed. You know, starting with Danny Ainge stepping down, Brad Stevens stepping up, the hire of Ime Odoka, the the trade of Kemba Walker. I, I think it's clear after a 500 season that the Celtics, you know, they knew they needed to change at least a little bit. Um, and I think they they see Udoka as a a new voice, a fresh voice. I have a theory that that Brad kind of sees Udoka as like Brad 2.0, mm-hmm. like has a, has a lot of the same traits, but probably a little tougher, definitely a little tougher. Um, probably going to be a little harder on the players than Brad was. Uh, certainly has more of a history of, of playing in the NBA than Brad did. Yeah. And, and then I think, you know, with, with the Kemba Walker trade, like they needed to get rid of some money. They needed a little bit more financial flexibility. And then to get Al Horford in that deal and get someone that, that they could use um, and someone who, who brings them playmaking, passing, and shooting that, that they need, especially at, at that big position. And I, I think they consider that important too. And but they still have, they still have a lot to figure out. You know, they still have to, to reload the supporting cast. They still have to decide whether to re-sign Evan Fournier. They still have to decide, you know, what to do with Marcus Smart, who's entering the, the final year of his current contract. So Brad Stevens still has a lot of work cut out for him the rest of the offseason. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Definitely. He sure does. Um, but do you think, so do you think that first move by Brad Stevens, um, you know, trading Kimba and getting all offer, do you think that's that was a great move by him? Yeah, I think, I think they kind of needed to do that because if you look at the salary cap, you know, their salary cap situation, if they had not done that and if Kemba had stayed, then they would have had to make some other cost-cutting moves. Yeah. And so to go out and get Al Horford, like at this stage, he's probably not quite as productive as Kemba Walker, but you can make the argument that he fits better next to Tame and Brown. He definitely makes less money. It, it could help them re-sign Evan Fournier. It should definitely help them you know, rebuild a supporting cast, which they needed more depth after last season, especially all the injuries that they went through. And and so, you know, that that was just the first move, I think, uh, for Brad Stevens to try to kind of re reestablish a, a supporting cast around Tatum and Brown. You know, they've lost a lot of talent over the last few years with Kyrie Irving. Now, 
Kemba Walker, Gordon Hayward, and and so so they kind of need to to reload talent wise. And and you know obviously they have two franchise cornerstones in Tatum and Brown, but I think the roster has a lot of question marks around them. And even compared to where it was you know two years ago when Kemba was healthy and Gordon Hayward was still in town. Like this, this team isn't as talented as it was then. So they they have to figure out what to do with Fournier. They have to figure out, you know, the right pieces to put around Tatum and Brown, not just for this year, but for down the road, because, you know, eventually those guys are going to need to decide what to do for their futures. And, and by then, you know, there'll be a lot of pressure on the Celtics to have a better team around those guys to give them a chance to contend, to give them a chance to win championships in Boston. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was just going to say, speaking of, you know, trying to, you know, replace the talent that has left us in, you know, the last couple years, uh, how do you see them uh, filling the hole of the, you know, point guard position, you know, with Kimba Walker being, you know, traded to OKC and now they're being a pretty big, you know, hole at point guard, how do you see them, you know, addressing that this offseason? Yeah, I, I think they could go out and, and pursue uh, another starting caliber point guard. But to me, the answer is already on the roster. To me, it's Marcus Smart. I, I think obviously Marcus mm. Smart isn't, wouldn't be an elite scorer at that position. But if, if you look at historically, when Smart has played point guard for the Celtics, their defense has been unbelievable. And I think with, with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and, and Robert Williams, and Al Horford and Kristen Thompson. I think the Celtics have a chance to build a really physical, really versatile defense. And I think if you have Marcus Smart at point guard, then, then you can be big, you can be long, you can be tough. And and that to me is, is going to be the most important. Obviously it would be a downgrade from Kemba to Marcus Smart, playmaking wise, scoring wise, all of that. But Smart led the team in assist last. He, he's a very good passer. And I think you know, Tatum has shown that more and more of the offense should probably run through him and more more and more of the offense will probably. Run. And I think, you know, as he continues to grow into those responsibilities, you're not necessarily going to need a high usage point guard. And so I think Marcus Smart's the answer. Uh, I could see the argument for, for getting someone, you know, more, more experienced at running a team, maybe someone who can shoot a little better. Uh, but to me, like, if they want to build a defense, defense first identity and I think that's always how Brad Stevens has wanted to play I think from Ime Udoka's reputation that's probably how he's going to want to coach then starting with Marcus Smart Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum as your three perimeter guys is a really good start yeah I, I think you're right I think especially with Ime Udoka's background I think he has a defensive background he's most likely stick with Smart and use use him in that way um but earlier you mentioned um, Brad Stevens looking at Ime Yudoka as Brad 2.0. Um, what do you so what is the team gonna look like with Ime as as the head coach? The, I mean, I'm assuming it's gonna be a more defensive based team. But what what does the offense look like? What do you, what is what what is what is that gonna look like? Because we know he has experience in San Antonio and um and Brooklyn. Um, but this is a new team with different players. Um, what is that gonna look? Like? Yeah, I, I think you know based on what I've gathered from his press conference and, and what I've learned about him, he's he's going to definitely want a really tough defense. Um, probably every coach does, right? Yeah. But 
you know, with, with his experience in San Antonio and based on what he said at his press conference, he's also going to want a team that moves the ball. And, and one stat that he brought up during his press conference was that the Celtics finished 27th in assists last year. And, and he doesn't think that's going to cut it. And, and so I think bringing Al Horford in is a big part of that. They, they like, when you look at their bigs last year, it, Robert Williams was far and away their best passer at that position. And they didn't really have a, a second playmaking hub there. And so to add Al Horford, who doesn't just have the passing, but also gives you the shooting and, and gives you the threat in that, that way, he's just going to make everything easier for Tatum and Brown. And so I, I think they're going to have probably a more free-flowing offense. And I, I don't think that's just because, you know, for going from Brad to, to Udoka or anything like that. I just think that Horford allows you to do things that last year Celtics couldn't. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, the, the, the most important stat to me from all last season was that the Celtics defense, after years of being either elite or close to it, slipped all the way to 13 in defensive efficiency. And, and that was, even though they brought back a number of guys that were part of really good defenses, I think part of that was just they were young. You know, they, they were playing Peyton Pritchard. They were playing Aaron Neesmith. They were playing Grant Williams. They were playing a lot of guys without a lot of experience. And they were injured, and, you know, they had obviously some pretty important COVID-19 cases that, that kind of lingered and hurt them a lot. The most important thing for, for them, I think, is reestablishing that defensive identity, tapping back into the toughness and, and the commitment on that end that, that the best teams under Brad show. You know, for, for all the grief that Brad got last year, his teams were almost always great at defense. And, yeah. and his teams, mm-hmm. no matter who played for them, really, were almost always great at defense. That stopped last year. And Udoka's got to gotta reinstill that in the team, and in the locker room, and, and kind of really focus on that. That's the most important part. To me. Yeah, um, I, yeah, for I, sure. I agree, and I hope that – I really hope that happens. Because last year – I think for me last year, the lack of effort was unacceptable. There was a lot of time the, the guys were on the court. You just could tell they were okay with it. Um, Welcome to the podcast, John. Thanks for joining us. Um, we have been talking to Jay about, um, you know, the new coach and the new GM um, and how that's all going to work. Um, I'm going to pass it on to you. If you have any questions, you can say hi to Jay. All right. My bad, fellas. Um, went back to work and, um, you know, first day back in the office. So I found out, you know, what the traffic was like, you know, a year back into the office. So, um, Jay, uh, thank you for being on the show, man. Really yeah, thanks for having me, man. You know, um, I was going to deal with so much traffic. Yeah, I was reading um your article on Jason Tatum out there on the Athletic, um, and you talked about you know what it's going to be like for him being out there, um, trying to recruit players, right? Um, and it seems to me that I mean, Jason Tatum, he's in the starting lineup now. Um, he seems to be a guy that's answering a lot of questions. Are they like preparing him for something? I don't know if they're preparing him for something, but I, I do think he's going to play a very big role on Sunday. Uh, if you listen to Greg Popovich talk about him, even dating back to two years ago when Tatum played on, on that World Cup in 2019, Popovich is really, really high on Tatum's skill set. He thinks he's a really good defender on top of being a top-notch scorer. He thinks Tatum can be one of the best two-way players in the world. And, and I think, you know, beyond Kevin Durant, beyond Damian Lillard, I think it's it's Tatum, it's Bradley Beal on that. And obviously, you know, losing to Nigeria, tough start for Team USA. Um, but 
I, I think Tatum can really grow from that experience. And you're talking about practicing with Kevin Durant every day. You're talking about watching Damian Lillard, you know, watch it, watching his shooting drills every day, how he approaches that. And so I, I think over the years, you've seen a lot of guys go to Team USA and kind of come back the next year and get that Team USA bump because of, of competing against those guys, because of seeing what it takes. To, to push your game to the next level. And I think for the Celtics, that's the most exciting part is, is that Tatum could really, really benefit from that experience. Yeah, I mean, one thing I'm seeing is that, uh, you know, in having to answer all these questions and it seems like in a lot of uh, their promos, he's like in the forefront of everything, um, you know, getting that, that leadership role kind of, you know, in a team like that with everybody around him. I think that really can help him to come on to, you know, back with the Celtics with that experience and, um, you know, have a little more confidence with his role. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, that confidence when you talk about that, like he just averaged 30 points per game against Kevin Durant in a playoff. Season, yeah. You know, that, that, and, and then, and then after that, I, I don't know if you guys saw like the, the podcast where Kevin Durant just kind of really hyped up Tatum and said, yeah, he put him on, mm-hmm. on yep. a list of, of guys that. That, that he really, considers you know one of the better players one of the more talented guys that, that he's played against and really sees great things in Tatum so I know that 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 stuff means a lot to Tatum and I, I know that that getting the respect of a guy like Kevin Durant who you know he's obviously looked up to like a lot of guys have over the years his confidence should be really high already and and obviously it, it, it's weird to talk about a guy's confidence when he averaged 26 27 points a game whatever it was last year but I, I do think there's another level for him to reach. And part of yeah. that is, you know, being more physical. Part of that is drawing more free throws. Part of it is just being being more confident in who he is. And I do think a lot of people would have looked at his last season a lot differently if he hadn't gotten COVID. Because when he came back from that for a month, he really struggled. And he couldn't breathe right. If you look at his numbers outside of that, it was so much better. And so I expect a, a big, big year out of him. I expect him to continue climbing the list of best players in the NBA. I, I see him as, as really like one of the premier young talents in the NBA. And I, I think his place on Team USA and, and how, you know, Popovich is, is playing him and, and giving him such a big role. I, I think that's all a sign of what's to come for Jason Taylor. And what, what do you think, what do you think of, his interaction um, with Ime Udoka on Team USA, how do you think that's going to help him um, in the upcoming year? Yeah, I, I think that can only help, you know, just, just building a bond before you go to practice, before you start training. And, you know, so several of the Celtics players, including Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Tatum, they, they've already known Udoka dating back to their time with Team USA in 2019. Peyton Pritchard has known Udoka since, since he was a kid in Portland. Um, Al Horford played a year under Udoka. So a lot of guys have relationships with him. And, and I think that's, that's going to help him walk into the locker room with respect. Mm-hmm. I think also the, the coaching staff that he's putting together, it, it, it's really exciting. Will Hardy, you know, he, he was with the Spurs for, for a long time. He's gotten head coaching interviews at, at a number of different places. He's regarded as one of the brightest young coaching stars in the league. So to get him was a really big hire. And then Damon Stoudemire, who obviously has a lot of playing experience, obviously had a big name when he was a player. And then, you know, turned around the University of Pacific and and turned them from 8-20 and 20 to 23-10. and 10. He was a West, West Coast Conference Coach of the Year in 2019. So... I think his coaching staff has started off with two big hires. And yeah. then Udoka is a guy that no matter who you talk to, he's just someone that, that 
players and, and people and his coaches back when he was a player, they all have a lot of respect for him and the way he approaches everything. So I, I, I think it'll help that, that he and Tatum have this time. Um, but obviously, like there's, there's a lot for them to accomplish over the years. Yeah, I saw uh, some highlights of um, Damon Stoudemire, you know, just talking to his teams and, you know, the way he was giving his his, his players direction and everything like that, you know, um, trying to take him to the next level. Um, you know, what what is he going to bring into this team this year? Yeah, I, I think he's just a guy who, who's, who's been through it, you know. And and when you've when you've done that as a player, when when you've reached heights, and when you face the scrutiny that that some of the top players face, it it all helps. And and so he'll be able to relate to guys. He should be able to have you know some some sympathy for what they're going through. He should be able to help them get through what they're going through. And I think Udoka is the same way. You know, he was never a star player like like Sotomayor was for part of his career. But Udoka had to cling to, to make it to the NBA. He had to cling to stay there. And and he's a guy who, you know, his work ethic, everybody talks about that. His, his toughness, everybody talks about that. And his intelligence, everybody talks about that. So I think, you know, ha- having having guys with NBA experience should matter. Um, and as, as good as Brad was and as talented a coach as Brad was, he never had that. And I... I I don't think it matters for everything. I think you can be a great coach without NBA playing experience. But when Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are, are going through things that, you know, not everybody's in because you know, how, how many guys have seen a, a, a young star rise and get, get to all-star level but then face a ton of criticism because their team doesn't, doesn't live up to it. And so there are a lot of things that Tatum and Brown are going through. And I, I think having a, a couple of guys with, with a lot of NBA experience who have seen a lot of different things can only help. Absolutely. I agree with that for sure. And I didn't, yeah. I didn't know too much about um, Will Hardy. So it's good to hear that, you know, we got some top of the line candidates in the house, especially, you know, cause it seems like these guys are getting hired and um, hiring other coaches to coach under them. So uh, it's pretty good to know that right there. Uh, what about Jalen Brown? Um, I know he, he left the season, with the wrist injury, and I think I've seen him on like Jimmy Kimmel or something like that. Shooting <laughs> <a basketball. laughs> yeah, uh-huh. is, is he healed? Like, what, what's going on with him? Uh, so when he had his surgery toward the end of the season, the Celtics said it would take three months for him to to resume basketball activities. Obviously, it was a good sign. He was shooting around on Jimmy Kimmel. Um, and I, I think for him, you know, it, it was the left hand, so it wasn't the shooting hand. It's a little different mm. than Romeo Langford, who had a similar surgery, but on his shooting. Hand. Um, so ho- hopefully it won't be as difficult for Jalen Brown to recover. But I, I, I still do think that's an injury that could kind of hinder his offseason, limit the work that he does this offseason. But, but he's the guy who has really improved no matter what. And you look at last, last offseason, Celtics didn't really have an offseason. It, it was like a month and a half between when they were in the bubble and when they came back and started training camp. And I, I remember reporters asking Jalen, like, how'd you improve this much? Like, what, what'd you work on this offseason? We didn't really have an offseason. <laughs> so it didn't really come from that. It was just yeah. like he got he got more confident. He got more different types of opportunities and just kind of ran with it. And so I, I, I still think there's another level for him to reach. And I think he started to reach that last year. You look at the last couple of months of his season he really started to extend his game to the three-point arc he started taking close to 10 three-pointers per game which which I think will be really important to open the court for him open the court for for Jason Tatum and help make the Celtics a more efficient offense so 
I think we've seen the start of his improvement in that area. I think he can only grow in that regard. And and I think he and Tatum are going to be very dangerous for a long time for the Celtics. Right. I was reading, like, you know, a lot of people are saying trade uh, uh, Jalen Brown for, you know, Damian Lillard. And I've seen people say, you know, things like these guys haven't even re- reached their prime yet. So I definitely like to uh, see them, you know, be together a little longer than everybody in Boston is trying to, you know, make it out to be. Uh, but I did also uh, see that you wrote an article about, you know, some of the things that could shape success for the Celtics season, I believe. Um, what what are some of those things, in your opinion? Yeah, I, I think, you know, no, number one for them is, is kind of shaping the rest of the supporting cast. We, we saw last year that, that they weren't deep enough. And obviously they dealt with a lot of injuries. They dealt with a lot of absences and some really important absences. Um, you know, Kemba Walker was missing every back-to-back. Marcus Smart missed a month and a half. Like they just, a lot of their players went through a lot of different stuff. Um, so I, I, I do think they need to address their depth somehow. I think that could be just re-signing Evan Fournier, um, bringing back, you know, maybe signing a backup point guard. Uh, TJ McConnell would fit the mold. I've heard his name a lot. Yeah, he, he just I think that's just because he, he would kind of fit the mold of a guy that Celtics could presumably afford and, and and would make a lot of sense for for kind of what they need. But it could just be young guys getting better, and I I think there's there's reason for optimism with Aaron Neesmith after the way he played toward the end of last season. You know, it it was really hard for him. It was really hard for Peyton Pritchard as rookies last year because they didn't get summer. They didn't get nearly as much time as, as most rookies to go to Boston, learn from the coaches, and kind of, you know, immerse yourself in the NBA world. They basically just got thrown right into training. Yep. And Aaron Neesmith in particular mm-hmm. hadn't played five-on-five five since January of his last season in college because of an injury that, that he suffered in college. And so I, I think it took him a lot of time to get comfortable at the NBA level. It took him a lot of time to get his sea legs. And once he did, he was a lot better. And so I, I think as you as you look at what they need to do, you know, if, if he takes a, a step forward, that's important. If Romeo Langford takes a step forward, that's important. If Peyton Pritchard does, if Robert Williams does, that could all go a long way towards solidifying the Celtics' step chart. But I also think, you know, they, they need to be active looking for veteran, veteran influences um, that can just continue to take more of the pressure off Tatum and Brown. I thought last year, and they'll learn from it, but last year so much of the playmaking burden was on them so much to the scoring burden was on them and I think it I don't want to say it was unfair to those guys because they're the two all-stars at the end of the day like a a lot of the team success falls on them but you know they were two guys they they were never really relied upon as playmakers before last you know Tatum Tatum was Mm -hmm. a little bit the year before but that was always one of their and then last year they they really had to grow and, and handle a lot more of that and they probably didn't have enough help in that regard. And so I think Brad Stevens needs to needs to be smart about the, the types of additions he makes to, to their roster to, to help those guys and, and to fit those guys better than than maybe last year's roster did. Because as good as Tatum and Brown were, I, I didn't think the roster accentuated them as, as best as it could. I, I think they need to get bigger. I think they need to get more shooting. I think they need more passing. And I, I think they, they've started to address that with the Al Horford acquisition. I think with, you know, if they keep Fournier, that that will be obviously a, another big addition for, for scoring and shooting and a little bit of ball handling. Um, but 
you know, I, I think that over the next couple of years, transforming that roster to go from that young, inexperienced, thin group that they had last year to, you know, guys that, that you can trust all the time and, and that the coach isn't searching all the time for, for a, a different solution. Uh, I, th- I think that's really important. And so I got, like, I, I, I do think Brad Stevens has his work cut out for him because they have a tough salary cap situation. They don't have a ton of flexibility and, and they do need to, to make tweaks to that supporting cast to, to fit better around Tatum and Brown and help, help lift those guys to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, wanted to ask you, Jay, um, it's going to be interesting, particularly this offseason to see how Brad Stevens does as a GM because he has never really been, uh, you know, a GM, you know, be, be before, you know, with his, you know, days of coaching, you know, not only the Celtics, but in Butler before. So how do you think, you know what I'm saying, he'll be as a GM? Do you think he's capable of, you know, being a successful GM, you know, with the, you know, Celtics, you know, moving forward? And then what led, uh, you know, Danny Ainge leaving the Celtics as far as, you know, what, what kind of went wrong with, um, you know, with him towards the end of his time, uh, you know, as the Celtics GM? Yeah, so I think I think Brad is, is well-equipped to handle that job. I think, obviously, he's really smart when it comes to basketball. Obviously, he knows what that Celtics roster needs. I, I think the, the other part of it that will really help them when it comes to GM is I think it's a different skill set, sort of, as as you have to, you know, manage all the people in, in the organization, not just the people on the team. And I think one of his skills beyond the X's and O's is he can get along with any type of, of person. Like Brad, Brad is very, very good at relating to people. He's very good at connecting with people. And I think, you know, working with a first-time head coach in Udoka, I think he'll be great at empowering him. I think he'll he'll be the type of guy who, you know, when he, he Brad made this joke at his press conference, but I think it's true that, you know, he, he's looking forward to one of the, you know, the first, first big loss that they have and <laughs> just, just inviting Udoka to have a coffee and a beer and just say, you know what, we're going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right, man. And so I, I think Brad will be that type of, of leader in his new role. Um, as far as the Danny Ainge stuff, I think the last two years were really tough on not just the Celtics, but the entire NBA. But when, when you go through the bubble and they were at the, in the bubble for three and a half, four months, they were away from the family. Um, for Ainge, from Ainge's perspective, he wasn't able to, to go and scout games. He loves to do that. He wasn't able to, to watch games on TV with the rest of his staff, which he loves. And I think there, there were just a lot of pieces of just normal life that, that were missing because of how strange the past two seasons have been. And, and even this past year, like the COVID protocols were so strict that, you know, guys weren't allowed to, to go to restaurants on the road. Like they basically had to stay in their hotel rooms on the road. And it was just a very different lifestyle than, than anyone's used to living. It, and so I, I think that weighed on a lot of guys. And I think Ainge is one of those. And I think the the team going 500 didn't help and all the criticism didn't help. And, you know, Danny pointed to the the scare, the health scare he had a, a couple of years back when, when he had his second heart attack yeah. as, mm-hmm. as kind of a, a turning point for him. And I, I do think that when, when you when you go through something like that, it can really change you. And, and so... You know, it's a tough job. It's a job with a lot of pressure. It's a job with a lot of criticism. And, you know, in Danny's case, like, he went through, what, five years of making almost every right move. And then, you know, the last couple of years were a little tougher for the team. The last couple of years, a bunch of free agents left. 
and Danny, I think he'd be the first one to tell you he didn't do as good a job. And and all that stuff just kind of kind of weighed on him. I, it helped convince him to to step down from his role. And I was I was shocked when Brad <laughs> stepped in for him. No, I'm not gonna lie. I did not see that one coming. Yeah, I don't think we we did either. And I, at least for myself, I, you, do you think we're gonna see Danny at another um, Utah another yeah, position I, for another team? I it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if he ends up in Utah. I, I think if he does do it, it would probably be like a a Jerry West type consultant role rather than the um, yeah. GM role that he's had. Um, yeah, he, he's a guy who's super competitive. You know, like. When you're around the game for so long and you're in the game for so long, like that's that's been his life. What he's either been a coach, a commentator, a, a player since since the, what the 70s, the 80s. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets back into it. Um, but I do think it would be in in a lesser role, uh, something that that wouldn't necessarily be as difficult as time consuming as as being you know a president of basketball operations for an organization. Absolutely, man. Before we continue, man, if you're watching this right now, please make sure you're subscribing because we're talking to Jay King, the staff writer for The Athletic, covering the Boston Celtics. Just, just let you know, John, um, Jay has to go around 545 or so. 545, man. Yeah. You know, that no better time to tell him that right now. You know what I mean? Co-host um, Mass Live <laughs> for, for the last five years. And you also, uh, that's where I actually first heard um, Jay King was on the Locked On podcast with um, John Corrales, man. And it's one of the reasons I wanted to start my own podcast. So I've been listening to this guy for a while. Um, you know, oh, thanks, man. That's <laughs> yeah. <cool>. Um, <laughs> one thing I did want to ask, I saw you get a lot of mailbags and stuff like that. Um, a lot of people are asking about um, Yam Madar. And I saw you did an article about him and how he's relentless. And, um, you know, he has a high motor and things like that. Well, what, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I, I think he, he he's an interesting prospect. He's for a 20-year-old. He began the last year at 19, the top league in Israel, and and really had a good year. And I think you know when you look at the the prospects who play in that league, it's it's very rare to average 16 points and five assists like he did at that age in the Israeli league. So I, I don't know what when he'll come to the NBA. I'm not sure the Celtics know yet, um, but. You know, at, at 20 years old, uh, a draft and fast guy from from last season. He's definitely got some athleticism. He's definitely got got some spunk, and he's definitely got some confidence. And he, he's a developing shooter. He went from really that was the biggest knock on him when the Celtics drafted him to shooting more than 40 percent this past season. So yeah, I, I recently spoke to John Diebler, the former Ohio State legend, who uh, was one of Madar's teammates in in Israel, and, and he just kind of said. You know, no matter what, the the moment wasn't wasn't too big for him. And for for such a young guy, Ebler was really really impressed with the way he handled himself, the the way he wanted the ball in key moments, and and just the confidence with which he played. So Ebler sounded really impressed by him. It seems like he's really a fan. And I mean, we'll we'll see how he develops, but but he's definitely an inter an interesting guy. And I know Celtics fans love checking out his highlight. He's got a fun game. Oh, I've checked him out, man. He he looks pretty <laughs> he looks pretty good, but I know he's playing against, you know, lesser talent over there. Um, but I'm definitely looking forward to seeing him in the summer league. Um, anybody else you're looking forward to seeing in the summer league? Yeah, I mean it, it should be should be a fun summer league. I, I think Moses Brown, who mm. just just acquired in, in that Kemba Walker trade, will probably play. Um I think I I would guess that Peyton Pritchard 
plays. I would guess that Aaron Neesmith plays. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Grant Williams plays. So there will be a lot of guys with, with NBA experience on that team. Madar, obviously, will be a guy that I, I think everyone's maybe most excited to see just because he's kind of a, a man of mystery to a lot of the fans who haven't seen him play. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that. And then whoever they draft in the second round will, should also be on that. Team. Oh, um, thank you. I don't know if you guys have done because I see uh, it's about that time for um, Jay to get out of here. Barry, you look like you wanted to say something. Yeah, just had a couple of quick questions, one basketball-related and one not uh, basketball-related. So my first one is who do you have in the NBA Finals, the Suns or the Bucks? Uh, and then the second question was, uh, who do you think will be the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots week one, Cam Newton or Matt Jones? <laughs> I, I had to I get it. those in. I had. I know you're a Patriots uh, fan and a Patriots guy, so I definitely wanted to get your you know opinion on who you think will be the starting quarterback uh, for week one. I've got to go Bucks and six still because I said that. Before oh really? Wow! Really? He already said it. He already Only said it. I, I got to stick stick by it. Uh, but Giannis is going to have to keep going crazy for that to happen. Right. And then uh, absolutely. I, I, at this point, I'd probably say Suns and six, but I can't do that. Can't go against myself. <laughs> and then I, I'll I'll go Cam Newton week one. Mac Jones will start week five. Week All five right. is when is okay. when he's going to start. Okay, week five. I All I right. think. I don't think he'll need too long. I actually like Mac Jones. I think he's going to be pretty good. I think so, too, man. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I think Mac Jones is going to be a pretty good uh, quarterback and starter for us at some point, for sure. Well, Jay, um, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. If you guys want to check him out, he's on Twitter, at by Jay King. All right, um, check him out. He's on The Athletic as well. I read a lot of that stuff, man. So that's where a lot of my, my well, me too. I've been following. From. So thank you, Jay, for coming on once again, man. And we'll hope to catch you another time. Yeah, for sure. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. I appreciate it quite a bit. All right, man. Yeah, thank you. It was good hearing from you, my friend. It was good, uh, you know, having you on here and, uh, you know, and, and, talk, and talking Celtics and, yeah, can't wait you know, to and, and hoops games, with man. you. Yeah, definitely, man. Hopefully I can get back to the garden for next year so you know I can see you at the the games. I'm trying to get back there, uh, you know, the start of next season. So if I do, hopefully I'll see you around for, for sure. But it was definitely good hearing from you. Appreciate uh, your time and for coming on today. Yeah, anytime, man. I'd love to do it again. Oh, absolutely. So. No, we'll, you'll be back. We'll have you on again, definitely. <laughs> All right. Thanks, fellas. Take care. All right, you too. You. Have a good one, Jay. Thanks, man. Yeah, you too. All right. Great interview. Awesome. It was absolutely good. Amazing. Good content. Good. Good stuff from from Jay. Good insight. Nah, Jay's that guy, man. If you like, I said, if you guys don't know who that oh, yeah. is, man, make sure you find oh, out. Oh, John, believe me, I know who that is. Not John, you. I'm talking me, to the audience, my friend. You know, make sure y'all find out and make sure you're subscribing to the channel, man. For sure, we're gonna keep bringing you guys. You know, more big big wigs in the league, and you know, in the, oh, yeah. in the industry, man. You know what I mean? We working, so help us out and yes, subscribe sir. to the channel. Follow us on social media at ProFans underscore sports on Instagram and at ProFans sports everywhere else. So um, until the next episode, man, we'll catch y'all. Have a good one, everyone. See y'all next week.